say S A C. Yeah, we chop a game, man. Artist, uh, the artist, say S A C. Yeah, if you create it, hey, sit down with me. Say S A C. Yeah, we chop a game, man. Artist, the artist, say S A C. Yeah, if you creative, come sit down with me, huh? You know, you know, hey, boy, you know, starving artist creations, man. Artist to artist. Uh, oh, <laughs> what is? You know, you know, you know, your boy Dre, man, I'm back with another Starving Artist creation. I'm on the set of my show, Artist to Artist, right now, where we like to sit down with a variety of talent and really pick their brain about the grind, the hustle of being a creative. You know, I got a very special guest with me today. Usually when people hear the word artist, they like to think of musician or painter or something, but I got a very special guest. This guy's a dope writer, an author, entrepreneur, <laughs> somebody who is inspires me you might have seen him back in the day mowing cast down on the football field <laughs> <laughs> hey now he's coming hard with these books and his hustle and his brand no further ado my guy jeff cheatham what's, uh, good, man? what's up man what's up man you know hey man, man. You put the pressure on me man i mean <laughs> Hope I'm articulate with my words right now, but hey, thank man, you, thank you, you know, for having me, though. For sure, for sure, man. First off, I just want to say, you know, thank you for coming, mm -hmm. joining me on my platform, and uh, you know, before <clears> we really get into the craft and the business side of artistry, you know, I like to to do a little background and and really get a foundation for who I'm speaking with. Okay, you know, so you're a Seattle native, right? So talk to me about your experience, you know, growing up in the town, man. So pretty much. I grew up in the Central District, first on Jenkins. I didn't know that. Yeah, I grew up in the Central <laughs> <laughs> I was on Jenkins Street. Uh, my family's from 23rd and Cherry. Okay. Um, then I moved to the South End, Rainer, Rainer Avenue. Okay. And I just grew up like that with many different experiences, you know. And then, uh, my childhood was pretty much filled with uh, positive memories, man. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much so, you Just, know, you, you grew up in the town, you know, you yeah. said the CD, you went to Franklin High School, though, right. which is where we know each other from. <laughs> right. Um, you know, at, at what point, because even, even back then, you know, I didn't know that you were interested in writing. Nobody did. So, yeah, so <laughs> at, at what point did you, you figure, you know, man, I'm passionate about writing. Yeah. This is something that I'm willing to pursue. It started when I was Three, three years old, three to five years old. When uh, I mean, you, I don't know. Most people know that I'm a big fan of wrestling. Okay, professional wrestling like okay. WCW, WWE. Okay, and I remember when I was a kid, I was watching um, Rick Flair, Rick Rick Flair cut a Woo! promo, a promo on Johnny B. Good. Yeah, and I realized this is a good guy versus a bad guy. And at that time, my dad had me in the comic books, mm -hmm. Spider Man, Batman, and Archie comic books. So all that, I always wanted to tell stories. Always wanted to tell stories. And while I was growing up, even while I would eat dinner, I would have a fork in one hand and have a Archie comic book in another one, just reading comics all the damn time. But while I was going through the football program, like CAY and all that stuff, that was the only thing that was available to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really, my parents or my family or my, my environment didn't know too much about any artist-driven programs. Okay. If you were like, if you want to be an actor or a writer or something like that. It wasn't around in the Central District. Oh, yeah that I was aware of, you know what I mean? So I was guided towards being an athlete. And then when I got to Franklin, my passion for writing went away because it wasn't cultivated. Like I didn't care about it no more. Even though yeah, you had, yeah. you know, the theater sports and all that stuff, I didn't care because I've been away from it for so long. Mm -hmm. 
and played sports, played football, got to California with the football thing. And uh, one moment I was hurt. My shoulder was bothering me so much I couldn't go to sleep. So I was up one night in college, and I, the Lion King came on. So, classic. Yeah, classic. Classic. <laughs> classic. In that part when Mufasa died, mm -hmm. we got let go by Scar. It's still messing me up to this day. Did you Did you cry? I did. When I was a kid, bro. Like, And I'm, I'm also mad lightweight that they're recreating the Lion King in live action yeah. version. I don't think I can handle that again. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I don't think I can handle that. But yeah. So I was watching that, and then I, re I was reminded of what I really wanted to do, which was write stories. Okay. And uh, also, I'm not going to lie, I had some teammates. You play football, you realize there are a couple of people on your team that really ain't that bright. Oh, yeah, yeah, for They sure. really don't matter about schoolwork. So. Bro, let's, uh, let's, let's, stop, <laughs> let's pause right there. Let's go on a tangent right a there. A little tangent, yeah. So, you know, we, we played on a team where eligibility was a, a scarcity. <laughs> you know, before, we played a football game with 14 players. 14 solid, and you're playing and I mean, offense, defense, Special yes, team, exactly. Water boy, exactly. Bro, <laughs> exactly. So eligibility was definitely an issue. Yeah. So okay, get back to your. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> back to regular period of the program. Yeah. For um, sure. <laughs> so when I realized, okay, I want to write stories again. I wanted to do movie scripts at first. Okay. And um, I started practicing because I had teammates that didn't want to do their English assignments, and they. They caught on to the fact I was getting A's on mine. Mm -hmm. So they was like, hey, man, cheat him, hey, bruh. I'm like, you know, Bay Area Cats be talking like, hey, blood, like, you know what I'm saying? And they was like, hey, cheat him. Hey, uh, hey blood. Is your last name really what it's about? <laughs> like, man, I be getting them A's, blood. And I'm like, cheat him. Yeah, I was like reading. It's like, hey, blood, just do my, my assignment for me, blood. Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my worst Bay Area voice, my bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so sure. I would, you know, start doing my teammates' assignments, okay. like $10 a watt. Oh, yeah. And then I started loving writing again. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then the last game of the season, I got hurt like, really bad. And I had to come back home and then uh, find out I was going to be a father. And I made it a choice to where I wanted my daughter to grow up with seeing me pursue my dream. Okay. Because I wanted that to be the standard for her. Exactly. You know what I mean? And uh, I was still doing movie scripts. And then when my daughter turned four years old, we went to Barnes & Noble in the one in Tequila. And she wanted a dinosaur book. And we looked around. Couldn't find a dinosaur book. And then I kept looking at all the covers of the, the children's books. No black or brown kids. For sure. For that particular day. I don't know. Like, you we, know what I'm saying? We definitely digging into that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just didn't see it for that day. And I was oh, like, yeah. wow. And then I saw my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, okay, I'll write a kid's book. And from then on, I studied, learned, researched. And I uh, self-published my first book, The Family Jones and Eggs of Rex. For so, sure. I got on, it. Yeah, man. If you don't have it, go cop it. The link is right here. Yeah. <laughs> the link will be right here in post. Right. <laughs> you know, so so now that we're talking about the background and your upbringing and stuff, you know, as a child, you, you said you mentioned um, comic books mm -hmm. as, as some things that you like to read. What were some of your favorite types of reads, you know, coming up back in the days? Man, you know about Goosebumps, right? Oh. Goose, bro, like classic, classics. Like every single goose book was a classic, and the fact that we had those books at our disposal, we should have. I mean, as kids, you don't know, but mm -hmm. then as a drop, like damn, we had a lot of positive reading material. Oh yeah, especially in the library, Goosebumps books, uh, Ramona Quimby, and and you know Beverly, whatever. Yeah, you know, Ramona know, Quimby. You don't know about uh, where the sidewalk ends, though. 
I don't. <laughs> I'm hey, man, for everybody to know about where the sidewalk ends, get on this guy's Facebook page and give him hell about yeah, where the sidewalk man. ends. The sidewalk ends, where the wild things are. Oh, man. Uh, Classic. The, the Bernstein Bears. Classic. Uh, what else? Um, oh, my favorite all time, my all time favorite kids book is The Giver. Okay, I'm yeah. not hip. See, I'm everybody not hip. who's a fan of the giver, get on his head about that. The it's giver, all good. I'll take that yeah, the one. The giver, I'll take that Lois, one. Uh, Laurie, you know what okay. I'm saying? So, okay. Uh, it's all those books, man. Because I always been a creative person. Because I was a big fan of wrestling, but for sure, I love the fact that you can lose yourself in a story. Mm-hmm. Like you can just read a story, then you you're in there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're feeling the uh, the weather. You can you talking to the people. Oh like, yeah. You create. The world in your the atmosphere. head, atmosphere in your head, and that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with comic books like Batman, Spider Man, the, the Archies, and stuff like that. And I was really a big fan of comics more than less than uh, regular books because oh, yeah. you get to see it. Like you get to see Spider Man fight, f- fight the Goblin, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like one of my main, my favorite Spider Man stories is about him doing the Goblin, like mm-hmm. fighting the Goblin. Oh yeah, because the Goblin came about after Gwen Stacy died. You know, Gwen Stacy is Gwen Stacy was the First girlfriend before Mary Jane. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah, the nerd that's out there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when Stacy died in the goblin, not the goblin, but the, no, it was the jackal, not the goblin, the jackal, the jackal. Uh, the jackal was in love with Gwen, mm-hmm. even though he was his co- her college professor, though. So it was an older dude. They that left blamed, that out the movies. They did, though. <laughs> <laughs> an older man who was in love with Gwen Stacy and blamed Spider-Man for her death, so he came up with this big plan to get Spider-Man okay. back for that. And I love the details of that, like the emotional aspect of it. So That's crazy. Yeah, man. And uh, when I got older, I wanted to do that same thing with my books, is suck people into my stories, yeah, you know, yeah. especially with kids' literature. You know what I'm I can see that relation because your books have great illustrations and, and uh, it's very vivid imagery when you're reading the book. So yeah. I, I can see the comic, bo- the comic book influence there. Yeah, I wanted sure. to. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to... Uh, uh, shoot, uh, Ebony Glenn, who did my wise Jane so mad story, okay. she's illustrated for that. Dope. And shout out to Sean Crum, he's a dude that did the the, the Family Jones X Rex story. Okay, both those illustrators did did me a justice. So, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for both of them. Definitely. Guys, so. so, so you know, we're talking about the reads that you are interested in, such as comic books and things like that. But let, let's dig a little bit deeper into okay. like the authors. What authors? influence you as we, as we sit here today influence me um now it's the authors that i meet okay. you know all the local authors like uh shout out to sharon blake she has a story about the thought detox okay. which is a self-help story um shout out to uh nari osler she has a book called redemption mm-hmm. uh it's a, it's a good story i love like this just talking to fellow writers right now and learning their aspect of what i feel at home because you know, at the end of the day, a writer is a weirdo. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because we, our job is to create worlds that are not real for, for people sure. to believe in. For sure. You know, so you have to be somewhere else with that, which I love. But back in the day, uh, my mom was a big Eric Jerome Dickey fan. Okay. Eric Jerome Dickey, uh, Zane. I mean, I call my mom with a Zane, Zane. but yeah. Oh, man. They yeah. have a series of those. Yeah. Man. Oh, man. I, I call my mom with a Zane story. My wife reads those. She still wears Zane? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember one time For I forgot sure. which story it was though, man. I was like, it, was, it just said Zane, and mm-hmm. it had, of course, a buff black dude with the, the okay. sexy black woman on yep, the cover. I yep, remember that story. Yep. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is, you know, <laughs> oh my. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, those those writers, and of course, 
you know, you got Dr. Seuss um, is an influence on mm-hmm. the whole children's literature, literature realm and things like that. Dr. Seuss is a major influence on rap. He is. He was the original bar spitter. Yeah. From back in the days. Bro, like, I <laughs> never would have thought to put a rap song with Dr. Seuss. Like, I've seen, yeah, yeah. I seen a performance from a local rapper. Uh, fuck, what's it? Nacho. Picasso. Yeah, Nacho Picasso. Nacho like, Picasso. Come on the show, baby. Yeah, Nacho I love Picasso. to pick your brain about the craft, man. Bro, what it is. Like what you did with that Green Eggs and Ham song was yeah. like, amazing. He's creative, bro. For yeah. Because sure. I was doing a literacy concert at the town hall. Okay. And he was on the billing. And then when I saw his name, I was like, a children's event with Nacho? Huh? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Migos at a preschool. Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then he did a rap version of Green Eggs and Ham. Okay. And the way he did it, That's hard. I was like, whoa. That's hard. Yeah, I was like, dang. And then I started looking up YouTube videos, and apparently it's been done before, mm-hmm. where people would do raps of Dr. Seuss books. And I was like, that is dope That's as crazy. hell. So, yeah, so shout out to Nacho. That's, shout that was out to dope, Nacho, bro. Man. So, you know, let's go. You know, I like to get deep sometimes. So let's okay. go deep. Why, uh, with a broad question, why... You know, as we have TV and, and the internet and all of this stuff, why is reading so important? Man. <laughs> oh, why is reading so important? Yeah, yeah. I'll put it like this way while I tell my daughter, right? I tell my daughter that reading strengthens your brain up to help you grow into a better person. Mm-hmm. Because reading, reading is followed by understanding. Okay. Right? So the reason why reading is important to me and the reason why I write children's books is because I want the kids who read my books to become better people because they're exposed to different types of ways of thinking. Yeah, different narratives. Different narratives. And particularly with the uh, the black community, my personal opinion, there's not enough representations of, of us in different worlds. For sure. You know, like the what my personal opinion is, what I when I first got started, I would see a lot of black children's books always around slavery mm-hmm. civil rights movement mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. or new york okay it's like we and then it was like there was a movement to not have us deal with fairies dragons mm-hmm. warlocks dinosaurs yeah like we, we we can't expand our mindset to thinking that way yeah um so it's very important for that because when you read a book you automatically put yourself in that situation how you would react to it and then you automatically were subconsciously or on purpose you alter your way of moving as you live to avoid potential problems or to look for better opportunities mm-hmm. hence why people love self-help books oh yeah you know self-motivating books yeah, right yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying and also why kids love kid, children's books because yeah. if you get a kid a book about you know a story about a hero that triumphs over evil the kid automatically wants to be that hero they want to save the day and rescue their friends and family mm-hmm. because that's what they read and they want to, you know, absorb that. You know what I mean? So that's why I think reading's important because it helps you it helps create uh not know, uh barriers. Not barriers, but it helps create a guideline for you about where you want to go, how you want to live your life. You oh know yeah. What I mean every time you read a book, you become that much more aware about how the world works. For or sure. How to, how you think the world should work. Yeah. You know, so that's why I think it's very important. So, you know, I, I try to stress this with my daughter. Um, you know, when 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 reading material, oftentimes we can we can read what's in front of us, but we may not understand mm-hmm. what's in front of us. So, you know, I want you to talk about the difference between 
repeating or reading and really understanding the content? You know, how important is it for people to really be able to understand children? When I say people, I mean children because we're talking about children's mm-hmm. books here. But how is, how important is it for children to really not just read the letters that are in front of them, mm-hmm. but really understand what's being said and why it's being said? Because a kid, to me, a child is a sponge of life. Oh, yeah. And the people that soaks up the kid's knowledge is the parent. Mm-hmm. So it's really up to the parent to have the patience to teach their, chi- their kid what they're reading or exactly. what they're seeing. So it's it's the difference between constant repeating. I mean, my daughter is eight years old. Mm-hmm. She could read something over and over again, but if I don't explain the definition of it, she's never going to understand it. Mm-hmm. But she's going to seek out the meaning of it if she really wants to. So it's really up to the teacher, which is the parent, mm-hmm. to sit down with our kids and let them know this is what you read and this is why it was said this way. So it's more of a a passing of education, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, we can just sit here like, hey, read this book with an eight, like a seven year old. Hey, read yeah. this book over. They can read the words, but they don't know what it means because it's not explained yeah. to them, which is a teaching tool that parents need to start to utilize with their kids oh yeah because of life experiences so we know that we know definitions of things based on our life experience what it is Mm -hmm. and that's what helps kids if the parent sits down and explains to them the reason why this was said is because of this versus leaving the child to their own devices to figure it out on their own Mm -hmm. because it'll it'll take a lot longer for a kid to figure out stuff out on their own versus you and i for sure as fathers sitting down like hey this is what you read and this is why this is what it is so Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And that, that's something that's important that we'll touch on later, you know, mm-hmm. about being uh, black fathers and having that narrative. Because when you, you know, you read some of these books, like I was reading my daughter this book, you know, a while ago, and it it was kind of, it was, um, there's so many subtleties in these books mm-hmm. today. You right. You know, whether it be racial or, or, you know, political or sexual. whatever. Yeah, yeah. sexual. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, having a male love interest in a lot of the books. And stuff. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm reading my daughter this book the other day, it was about a, um, they, all the kids were dressing up. It, first of all, we got the book because it was a black little girl, black mom or whatever. And so we're like, oh, cool. You know, we, we can relate to that. And so when we're re- when I'm reading this book, it's a costume party going on at the school and nobody there's a brown costume and everybody's like ew the brown costume is ugly wow even yeah. in, in the black and the black girl is like you know it's, it's from her perspective so she's like why is everyone saying the brown costume is ugly like mm-hmm. you know so i had to tell kiana you know what even though they're saying that the brown costume is ugly in this book mm-hmm. The brown costume is beautiful, right? You know what I mean. So it's so many subliminals and subtleties in the in the um, the teachings and the books that these kids are reading. You know, which is why I said we'll touch on being a black father right. and stuff and that narrative later on. But you know, I think that that's something that you know people like you bring to the table mm. that is very valuable and very important to these kids. Right. So my my thing with the subliminals that's up to the parent too, because like you said, the kid won't won't know yeah yeah like it's just like kids take things as they are exactly okay the brown costume ugly everything brown is ugly exactly until dad's like no 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 exactly. brown is beautiful this is you know all that mm-hmm. stuff so it's up to us as parents to sit there and like no 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 exactly this is what it, and also another part what you're talking about too the subliminals is there's a couple of assignments like i remember one time uh I'm sorry, I'm gonna throw somebody under the bus, but whatever. Let's tell the truth. But uh, <laughs> if it's a Franklin teacher, go ahead and do it. No, 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 no. It's my daughter, <laughs> my kid. So she had an assignment yeah. about George Washington. Okay. 
Right, talking about how George Washington was Did they great. open up was that that he was a slave owner? No, <laughs> no, that's what I'm talking about. No, no, he was, he was a great man. He chopped down the cherry yeah, yeah. tree. Oh, he's man. smiling and he's a father of our country. And I'm like, where's him, the story about him being a slave owner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you're going to tell the truth, tell the whole truth. But, you know, that's the thing with uh, literature is so great and also so dangerous mm-hmm. because it suggests things to us and if we don't have nobody there who's well aware of what's going on mm-hmm. to guide us into a better way then kids are going to be lost because you'll get the story about how George Washington was a great man mm-hmm. or how Thomas Jefferson was a great exactly. man. Exactly. Like Thomas Jefferson was a great liaison for the French Yeah, yeah. but he, he raped the slaves though. <laughs> <laughs> he raped the slaves though. Exactly. Like, like, all right, you know. That's the epitome of miseducation yeah. that, that we all receive. You know, thankfully the internet is here. Right. Because it, 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 in, it seems like nowadays a lot of the schools, I, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but no, fuck it, man, we're off on the table. <laughs> you know, a lot of the schools, the curriculums are seem like, it seems like they're going back decades yeah. in trying to rewrite history in, in a way that's, you know, softer to the white narrative or, or to a specific narrative to where, oh, well, they weren't slaves. They were immigrants. They were immigrants. Yeah, they were immigrants. They were just, they just worked for less. Right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I think it's so important to have that black narrative of, you know, this is, this is, you know, not to be, not to say, okay, you know, the, the white devils in a children book or anything, right, right, right. but to, to present the real right. and to present, you know, things in a different light and in the right light, because a lot of times our depictions in the media and in books and in curriculums isn't great. It's not, it's not, that was one of the main issues that, uh, not issue, but one of the main things I wanted to be conscious of when I wrote my mm-hmm. stories of the images I wanted to present to the kids for sure um because like you said the media more than ever now are creating such a a narrative that is powerfully suggestive mm-hmm. of what the african-american what the black community is and also what the white community is too you know with the oh, whole yeah. white privilege exactly. argument and how there's always an argument that pits us against one another like white privilege versus uh black issues you know stuff like mm-hmm. that like all lives matter versus black lives matter yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, for but sure. it, it, it and that's just, it, it, it causes a rift because you realize that everything not to get too far gone with this but you realize everything that causes problems between people creates profit for somebody else oh yeah you know what i mean like okay the black lives matter riots oh we need to strengthen our police force up mm-hmm. we need to militarize our police yeah you know that uh, all lives matter, white narratives. Okay, let's just keep influencing uh, donations to different all white schools mm-hmm. to keep that narrative alive. Yeah, but the so with my stories in particular, how that ties into my stories, even though my characters are black, both of my stories characters are black and brown, mm-hmm. pretty much. But it's a universal story yeah. that anybody can relate to. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I want to be everybody. We all live the same way. We just have different skin tones. We exactly. both. Pay bill. We all pay bills. We we all want our kids to be in nice, safe neighborhoods. We want our kids to grow sure. to be the best they can be. For sure. So yeah. So uh, you know, now that we have done some background and got some insight into you know Mr. Jeff Cheatham, um, here at Starving Artist Creations, artist to artist, you know, we really like to dig deep in the mind state of what what goes into the craft, and and so now that we're talking about writing, you know, who or, or what or why, who do you write for? I write for two different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write for my daughter. Okay. And I write for the people who I want to live around. Okay. And uh, what I mean by who people I want to live around is 
I want my stories to I want my stories to be read by so many kids that when they grow up, they remember mm-hmm. those stories and they want to live in that kind of environment where it's positive thinking, it's hard work to get where you want to go to. It's helping each other out, helping people who want to be helped. So I write for those two different sets of people because as a as a man, I feel like it's responsible to take care of the people for sure. around me. For sure. You know, any way I can, you know. For sure. I mean, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a mathematician, mm-hmm. but I like writing children's stories. So I take that responsibility with my stories. Okay. You know, like, okay, how can I how can I help my community out with my books? And I choose to do it in that way where positivity and working together and the, the value of family and the value of friendships, the value of togetherness mm-hmm. is the main points of my books. So for sure. That's how that's what that's what I write for because I want that type of atmosphere to look okay. around. Like it's dope. Because I, because a lot of this stuff comes from my childhood, you know how I grew up. You know when I go to Big Mama's house on Twenty Third yeah, yeah. Cherry, four or five cousins are there, you know playing around. Mm-hmm. Nothing was better than Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner because your whole family was there, For sure. twenty deep. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You had your aunties, your grandma, your mom in the kitchen. You got your dad and uncles in the in the dining room playing dominoes and cards. Yeah, you and your cousins could be play fighting in the living room or a couple of your older cousins upstairs playing Mortal Kombat yeah. stuff like that. Like I like that family atmosphere. Oh yeah, and I always want to recapture that. Like I always tap into that when I start writing my stories, mm-hmm. you know, cause I love that feeling of the familyness, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then when, you know, it's time for dinner, y'all sitting at the same table, you know, mm-hmm. kids sitting at the table over here, the adults are at the big table, but it was oh, all yeah. love and respect though. In the sure. day. And even outside your home, the community like, shoot, your friends might as well as be cousins. That's mm-hmm. why I have a whole bunch of cousins due to the fact of this, that atmosphere. Like even to this day, when I see, Cats from around the way that I grew up with, it's still love to this day. It's we don't, we, yeah, we don't talk for years, but it's yeah. still like we never missed a beat when I see him. For sure, you know, and and that's one thing that I noticed in, in your books that you've written is that there's a, a family element that's mm-hmm. there, you know, and, and you're uh, presenting it. It's always like in a positive light. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, how important is it to you to incorporate family in your writing? Very, it's like top, like top, top thing to do. It's very, very important. Because I feel like that with the current status of things, like we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. family is being attacked. Like the oh, yeah. idea of family. The black family. The black family is being attacked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we have this narrative like we don't need each other no more. You know what I mean? And it's been well, re- I think the narrative is is that the black father is not in the house. Yeah. The white mo- the I mean the black mother is a welfare queen. Right. Like, that's that's how a lot of the depiction is in the media and yeah. in, in, in the and, rhetoric. You and know? also music and mm-hmm. also movies. Yes, and we buy yes, into it. Yes. Uh, I'll let you know right now, I do not like World Star. I can't stand <laughs> World Star. So let that be the yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't like world I don't like that because like I said, and also that destruction leads to somebody making profit because mm-hmm. if you say the black man ain't nothing, he gets sent to jail. Mm-hmm. If the the black mom isn't nothing, she gets put on welfare and government assistance, but somebody's making a profit off of that. Yeah, and also the kid gets gets through the 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 state, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, oh, your kid can't act right. Oh, he must have ADD. Mm-hmm. ADD kids need pills. Oh yeah, who's paying for those pills? Oh yeah, you. So that's destruction just a, that's leads just an assembly line to prison. Right. That's, right. that's like the, 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 the school to prison pipeline all, joint. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Including that whole little two like that two hundred million dollar youth detention center mm-hmm. that's being built. Why are they building that? But yet you got teachers 
who teach at schools that they can't afford to live in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. You can spend $200 on a prison system, a prison, a detention center. If I got that number wrong, correct me, but they're, 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 it is being built here. It's being built, but yet studies have shown that if you have after-school programs and if you invest heavily into schools, crime goes down. Man, Trump said those things don't work. <laughs> Alternative facts. <laughs> those, those programs, free lunch. Yeah, there's been no studies to show that's okay, beneficial. Well, let's, like, my thing was like, okay, Trump, <laughs> let's go to the schools that your kids went to and see what kind of program he had there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of the times, it's not policing that's the issue that mm-hmm. that's going to solve it. It's resources. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Oh I mean, yeah. It's just, it's just facts. You know, you need resources. Yeah. A lot of the kids who they deem problem childs, if you have people around who had the resources to show how much they care, mm-hmm. a lot of these issues will go away. Yeah. Period. Point blank. Not go away altogether, but it will lessen. Yeah, yeah. It will go down. You know that's what I'm what, saying? That's what, uh, you know, last episode I had Young Germs on, and we were talking okay. about, you know, going to college and, and having accessibility to, like, the studios mm-hmm. and stuff there. And, you know, we were saying... And over on the east side and in those schools over there, yeah. they have those in the high school. Right. So you get out of high school with a leg up knowing how to be a videographer, how to right. be a photographer, how to use a studio. Right. And we had, you know, we got into college and we're like, whoa, this is the best thing ever. Right. Some we kids are experiencing that on a high school level. Right. And think about like what Bellevue in particular, right? Bellevue got, has so much money put in that school. They got their own street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 they got their own street. Yeah, yeah. With Wolverine yeah. Avenue or something yeah, like yeah, that, right? Sure. Like you said, you and I, you know, going to college, we were like, oh man. This is crazy. Dang, we have a workout facility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because Franklin, the budget was what, five hundred bucks for the, yeah. <laughs> for the football season? <laughs> five hundred dollars for the football season. Yeah. <laughs> so like, exactly. Like, you can't even buy one helmet. Right, can't buy one helmet, the workout, the weight room. Yeah, you got yeah, like yeah. the patches missing from the floor for a little sure. bit. Yeah, man, and that's all about it's about resources. And you think that if you put money towards all the talented un, un, uh, kids in the communities that need it, mm-hmm. how much world the good the world would do? You know what I mean? But that's not a priority to most people. People yeah. want to have us in dire circumstances, and it's a, and it's supported by everybody. It's not just yeah. whites and black. It's supported by everybody. Oh yeah, who has a hand in making a profit off it for sure. And with my books, I just wanted to do something to counter that. Mm-hmm. You know, do what I can. You know, even though it's entertainment, but I still wanted to present something. It felt like I, I'm doing something. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to just be a person that's all talk and. Talks about so I mean, we need to do yeah, this yeah. in the community. You do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, all them fake social media so, activists. So, so, yeah, social media activists. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's all about the community, about that. But yeah, you don't yeah. see him at nothing, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Nothing. So, and I was like, okay, what can I do? So it, it went into what I already wanted to do anyway. So it was like I was stretching myself out. Mm-hmm. So that's what, like, the main reason for my books, you know, the kids' books. And that's why I feel like it's very important for everybody to realize that it's bigger. Mm-hmm. Than the individual. You oh know yeah, what I'm saying like if you really have a genuine issue with what's going on, you have a responsibility to do something about it for sure. Especially if it bothers you. Exactly. If it doesn't bother you, then whatever, right? You're but part it, of the problem. Yeah, you're part of the problem. <laughs> but if it bothers you, like it really messes with you emotionally, you have a responsibility to do something about it. For and sure. that's how I look at it. For sure. So you know, we're talking about the craft and the process of, of being a writer, being a 
an author. So, you know, what when, when all the stars aligned and, and, you, and you're in the zone and you're creating your best work, you know, what is that setting? What does that environment look like? Do you need, a, you know, a warm cup of tea, the lights dim, or, you know, what, what, <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what, is, your, what is your ideal setting to, to create your best work? So I write based off motivation. Okay. I write based off ideas. Like mm-hmm. if something happens and I get an idea from it, there you go. Okay. Um, like with the Why Is Jane So Bad story, it's a combination of things. Like the um, the motivation for Jane's face came from my daughter's face when I drove past Toys R Us because mm-hmm. she was mad because yeah, we yeah. was going in there. So why that's where that face Jane came so from. Mad? I, took a pe- I took a picture of that face yeah, and it was yeah. the same face. And also the story itself, um, the motivation came from I was at work and I was watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. and I stumbled upon when soldiers come home to okay. surprise their families. Oh, yeah. And... It hit me because of the overall pure joy when they saw their dad or their mom coming back and they didn't expect them to come back for another year from mm-hmm. serving overseas. You know what I mean? And Shout my like, cousin Damon. He just came back from Afghanistan. Oh, that's man. dope, man. We about to party it up this Saturday, See, that, baby. Hey, it's all love, man. Right. Shout out Damon Hardy. That jo- that Oh, Hardy? Yeah. The dude who makes money? That's your cousin? Hardy? You know Damon Hardy? Yeah, I work with Damon. I what? worked with him before, yeah. <laughs> what? Damon. Bro, that's my family. Gary Hardy and Damon Hardy. Yeah, with the motorcycle stuff. That's my family. That Hardy is... Hardy Motorsports? Yeah. I that's mean, my family, bro. <laughs> what? Damon, why didn't you tell me Dre was your cousin, man? Bro, come on. Yeah, hey, man, shout out Damon Hardy, man. Come on. Yeah, wow. Damon's my guy. I worked with Damon. That's crazy, bro. Small <laughs> world, man. Wow. But yeah, but just that alone, right? Like, okay, you served. You served across... The world and you know what's going on over there it's mm-hmm. like chaos and madness all the time and then the fact that you got the news that your family's coming back safe and sound oh yeah like that joy is something you can't replace though and then sure. when i was i watched video after video after video after video of this and then it started hitting me like joy and you start yeah, i start asking myself when how many off how many times often how many times do you experience pure joy mm-hmm. like just euphoric happiness like yeah. you can't it can't be brought out by nothing and, and that's what I felt like these people felt when they saw their relatives come back from serving, you know, fighting the Army or the Air Force and the Marines or something like that. So, case in point, I wanted to capture that in the book, but also, to I noticed that that story wasn't told through a black perspective. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about fatherhood in the black community, it's always about the dad being in jail or the dad not being there. Yeah, yeah not you know? being there. Yeah, yeah. So, I wanted to create a different narrative mm-hmm. using those things that I learned for okay. that but, but also but like to, to answer your question my my stories come from this motivation what I experienced in life mm-hmm. that's why I make it a point to not miss anything mm-hmm. like I have I want to experience everything even though if I'm dead tired I'll still go to an event like I'll still go to a, a rally or a speaking yeah. engagement because I don't want to miss nothing because I feel like every time you go somewhere you learn something new every single time mm-hmm. no matter if it's big or small so let's talk about that. You know, yeah. everybody has to go out and make a living. And then, mm-hmm. you know, for us artists that are, are trying to make build our brand up and trying to make a way, you know, we have to clock out of work and then go right back to work. Yeah. So so how do you, I hate you know, at some time, sometimes <laughs> you'd be like, man, I don't feel like doing it tonight. You yeah. know, but how do you overcome those feelings and really keep committing to your grind day in and day out? Well, it's interesting for me because I work graveyard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, my thing is because I work graveyard. And so, and also I read to kids at schools. Okay. And, you know, school starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, and yeah, I get yeah. off at 7. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I had to, <laughs> so, I had some issues with sleep. Uh, I go lie. But my motivation comes from 
always knowing that it's something that's bigger than me, mm -hmm. you know. Because I remember going to elementary, maybe you know about this too, when you go to elementary school, they'll have a person come into class oh, like, yeah. to do something where, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. talk to the kids. And you know, you always can think like, oh, man, maybe I can do that. Mm -hmm. No matter how quick that thought can come, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, man, okay, a lawyer comes in and talks to you about law. Oh, yeah, maybe I yeah. could be a lawyer. Exactly. And you had that brief, a brief moment of you doing lawyer thought processes, but it's not it's not fed into after that, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And also, I just I love reading the kids mm -hmm. because it's, it's a dope experience to me. They're like, so impressionable. It's so impressionable, and they're always like they really look at the best point of view of everything they do. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I enjoy doing it. So my motivation for the grind, like getting off work and go reading, is the fact that I have a vision for where I want to be in my life, mm -hmm. and I realize that in order for me to get there, I have to work towards it. Like I have to put myself there. Mm -hmm. Anybody gonna hand me nothing? You know, ain't nobody gonna. I'm not getting hand fed anything exactly. like, in this world. You know what I'm saying? I had to get over that a long time ago. Nobody owes you nothing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I had to put it in my mindset that I gotta bust my ass. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta put the work in. You know what you I'm saying? You got to. You got to. Especially people who I idolize, like all my heroes that I look up to. Mm -hmm. They all say the same thing: hard work, hard work, hard work and planning. Yeah. So I was like, okay. If all these millionaires, billionaires are saying the same thing, let me see what happens if I follow that blueprint: mm -hmm. hard work and plan, and also. The one thing they do is appreciate what you're doing, mm. and and not look at what I'm doing as work, but look at what I'm doing as a, a duty and have fun with and it. have fun with it, yeah. you know. And that's what I look at it, and I and I believe in hard work. Like mm. I, like I want to be, like I kind of want to be the James Brown of kids literature. Okay, the hardest man, in, the hardest working man in show business. Okay, for sure. But the, the hardest working man in children's literature. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that makes sense. I, I feel like I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then the, with that, because I believe in what I can do, and also I'm not arrogant to feel like I can't learn more. Oh yeah, I'm always a sponge, always, learn always learning. You know, yeah. and that helps motivate me every single day, just to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, mm -hmm. keep writing stories, keep meeting new people, keep experiencing new cultures, keep asking questions. You know, and and it goes into my drive to want to be the best. So with all that inspiration and motivation and and, and stuff, you know. It sounds impossible, but do you ever, as an author, get writer's block? Get writer's block? <laughs> That's funny. Cause I was thinking about this. I don't think it's writer's block. I think it's lot lack of motivation. Okay. You know, because when you are thinking about writing something, it's like, okay, what can I write next? It's not because I can't, I'm blocked, you know, like my brain is, mm -hmm. it's like I'm not motivated enough for this story. So mm -hmm. how can I re-motivate myself okay. to finish the story? Okay. And so I, what I do with that is I remember what the story was about. Also, I remember where I got this story from. Because mm -hmm. I experienced that with this book, uh, you know, because the thing with this book is a rhymey book. Mm -hmm. You know, it rhymes. Yeah. And I've never thought about doing that and I was like okay I don't know if I want to rhyme anymore like I don't know it's kind of corny I don't want to be cornball and then I remember why I want to write the story in the first mm -hmm. place which reignites my motivation for sure so I don't believe in writer's block I just believe in re-motivating yourself well because because rhymes stick with you longer than mm -hmm. non-rhymes right and also I wanted to challenge myself too and yeah. see if I could write a book like that See if you it, got see if you got bars. See I got bars for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about bars for adults, but bars for kids, I you know, I think I'm good yeah, at it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. No, but I wanted to I wanted to challenge myself by doing that, uh, because with the first one, the family Jones and X Rex, mm -hmm. it's just a straight story about what's going on. Okay. But this one, I wanted to do uh like a poetry kind of thing, you know, with the story. Mm -hmm. And with that you rhyme. 
And with that, I wanted to do that because I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could pull that off. For sure. And also, like you said, with music, it sticks with you a lot longer. Exactly. And if you rhyme, you automatically are thinking about it in musical form. Mm-hmm. So that's. That comes so from- you, you kind of hinted this before that, you know, when you were um, pulling up somewhere with your daughter and, and you got the idea for why is Jane so mad? Uh, but, you know, when you're writing these books, are they based off of real life ex- experiences or is this stuff that you're making up? Stuff, a uh, combination of both. Okay. When I get to more of the fantasy stuff, the message behind it comes from real life, real life space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just more a uh, combination of real life and this uh, fantasy thing. Okay. Because my main goal as a writer is to present, it's always to be different, uh, be creative. Like, I don't want to fall in underneath the same storylines as most other authors do. Like, mm-hmm. I try to make it a point to present something different with okay. my story so that way it makes me feel better because I'm doing like I write it for me because you know it's a personal thing of mine. I love writing books and I want to be proud of my work and if I feel like I'm copying somebody it makes me sick yeah, yeah. I want to be I want to you know what I'm saying <laughs> I don't want to copy yeah I don't want to I'm yeah. biting you know what I'm saying like I don't want to copy nobody so yeah. so uh, I mean I, I'm going to tell you I was surprised but are do you find that people are surprised when you tell them that you're an author hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the why, time. Like, why do you think people are surprised? Because they honest? look at me and they don't think children's book author. <laughs> I mean, every time I go into a classroom, I always mm-hmm. get, is he a football player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Walter Jones. Walter. <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Bitter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are surprised, and I love that because yeah, yeah. I'm breaking down another barrier of what you think somebody is. Exactly. You know? And. And I, I had to embrace that for because at first I got I was insulted. I was like, no, I'm a kids book author, but I was like, yeah, to keep it 100. Like, okay, bro, look how you look yeah. though. The kids, the kids will be honest. Yeah, you know? kids, and that's why I love honest. kids. They keep it straight with you. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I like that that I'm breaking down barriers of what you think somebody is based on how they oh, look, yeah. especially being a black man in America. You know, because I, I wear hoodies all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's always protecting like a black man wearing a hoodie is a thug. But then yeah, if yeah. I come in with a hoodie and I'm reading you a kid's book, like, oh, yep. well, maybe I should hold back on my judgment. Exactly. You know, so exactly. <laughs> I, I like doing that. So, so you know, you're you're from Seattle and, um, you know, you're you're a writer. You're out here on your grind. How have you how have you or how would you say the support has been from your city for your uh, brand? Very supportive, mm-hmm. like surprisingly supportive. Because I had the notion that anybody go support me, man. Like yeah, I'm yeah. a kids book author, you know. Everybody wants yeah. to support motherfuckers who got rap careers or who wants okay. to be a, a, a athlete, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? Cause yeah, you, yeah. We see the public outpour support for that for sure. But then when I announced that I was writing kids books, people were a little hesitant at first because they always know me as football player Jeff. But I so I had to prove, which is fine. This is actually fine, I believe. Prove that you are committed to what you want to do to people that you love. Exactly. I mean, I mean, people get mad like anybody support me, anybody coming out. That's because they only known you for doing one thing your whole life, though. Mm-hmm. If you're really committed to something, prove it, and then you'll get the support that you desire. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, everybody who who's known me, grown up with me, only knew me as football player Jeff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to be in NFL. I want to be in NFL. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I became a dad. Okay, Jeff's a dad that used to play football. Yeah, yeah. Now I was like, kids book out there. But I was like, oh, okay. Like, uh, you want to write kids books? Huh? Yeah. All right, we'll see. All I right. think it's. I think you know now that now that everybody has kind of you know we were all together in high school. Right. We all branched out, did our own thing. So we all kind of associate. 
each other with our memories from high school. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm doing a variety of things right now. Right. People still ask me, hey, bro, you still playing football? Yeah. Like, still like, (laughs) bro. I'm like, bro. Stop making me feel bad right now. Like, <laughs> making me feel old. Of course, I would love to be in the league right now. Right. But, you know, no, I, but I first met you, though. Remember what I called you? What? I called you the prototype because you hey, were man. big as hell. I was, bro. You were let, like, let's, <laughs> be, let's be clear, man. I came in, I was 13 years 13 old. 13 years old as in my freshman, height. In my and I played varsity football with these guys. Yeah. You know, uh, shout out Larry Hutchison, Manny, oh, Larry Love, Julian, Julian, Scott, all you know, all these cats that were, you know, uh, role models for me. And uh, you know, Caster took me under their wing. But, you know, I was a I was a young buck. And yeah. so came you know, in with braids it, it's and so stuff like funny. That. Yeah, it's so it's so funny that people still like Oh, bro, you still you still playing football? I'm like, nah, bro. That's like ten years ago. No, you were a big ass kid, though. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. thought you were like a junior. I was like, what's up? It was when I'm 13. Like, what? <laughs> oh, big ass, oh, fullback shit. ass, man. So, so, uh, you know, let's let's get back to the crap, man. So, um, you know, we go off on tangents we sometimes. Do, it's yeah. only normal. It's all good, you know. But, um, you know, when you're when you're sitting down and you're writing from an idea to to paper. How long does that process take you? I've gotten it down to where um, it depends on how long I want the story to be. Mm-hmm. Um, with the first book, The Family Jones and Eggs of Rex, it was it's forty nine pages. Okay, so it took me, and that was my first book I ever worked on ever. So it took me, which a is while. relatively long for a children's book. Yeah, I had a whole bunch of ideas <laughs> that I wanted to get out. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. So that story itself took me two and a half months to complete. Okay, because not only because not only the writing the story, but actually learning the craft and learning mm-hmm. and learning to respect the craft and like the process, respecting the process. Oh yeah, of creating a manuscript, creating the setting, creating the themes of the story, mm-hmm. the main characters. Um, what their personalities are going to be like, you mm-hmm. know, how they're going to be different, you know, and the construction overall construction. So I was learning. This, so pretty much it was just my learning experience with the family Jones and Rex. So it took me a couple months to do that mm-hmm. because not only did I have to write the story, I had to learn how to write a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took me two months and a half. And that process, you know, I was thinking about, okay, what I want to talk about. Okay, dinosaur books because about my daughter. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to do a dinosaur story. But I didn't want to do as a typical, hey, this bone is for our yeah, uh, yeah, 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 brontosaurus, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wanted to do a story that revolved around T-Rex because I wanted to be different because mm-hmm. every time you see a T-Rex, it's always in a villainous role. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a friendly T-Rex mm-hmm. and, like, a more of a fatherly T-Rex. That's why I have Mama Rex and Papa Rex. Yeah. And I wanted to do something different. Also, I wanted to do something different too. Was how would this family even interact with dinosaurs in the first place? Because I didn't want to set the time during prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to do, I wanted to add a bit of magic into it. Because mm-hmm. originally, I wanted to do, I wanted to create the story. The, the original title I had in mind was um, the Wishful Bells. Okay. Like I wanted to do like a black elf like setting where they wish themselves into stories. But I was like, ah, yeah. that's. I wasn't feeling that too much, and then, <laughs> and uh, I had the music playing, and the old school station came on, and Sly and the Family Stone mm. dancing. The music came on, and all of a sudden, I said, "Sly and the Family Stone, the Family Jones," mm. and it just clicked, and it's like the Family Jones yep. and the Eggs of Rex, mm-hmm. and that's how that the title came about. And when I came up with the title, that's what helped me fill out the rest of the story. Uh, with the Why Is Jane So Mad? It was a lot quicker now because I was studying how to write stories. So I knew mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a system. 
which come up with the title and fill it in and uh, create the manuscript. What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? And who do I want to say it to? Mm-hmm. And then when I came up with that, that took me about a month, a month and a half to write it out because I wanted to make sure it was written down and it was worked on, it was edited, mm-hmm. it was sounding good. And since the book's about, it's rhymy, I wanted to make sure that it made sense. Made sense, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted to respect, you know, the intelligent people who were writing my, who were reading my book. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. yeah. so you alluded to it a second ago, um, but, you know, writing a story is one thing, but within that you have character development. Mm-hmm. So what is your process like? So you say, okay, I got, I got this book. The father needs to be like this. The daughter needs. How do you go about your process for developing the characters in your book? Well, well I kind of related to people. Like, what's the person's purpose? Okay. Like, what's their like? What's their intent? So, with my story, like for the wife Jane so mad, the intent of Chad is to make his friend Jane happy. Mm-hmm. The intent of Jane is for her to stay mad. Mm-hmm. So I kind of do it like that, right? Sure. Um, so it's pretty much about what their uh, 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 the the characters intent in the story that makes sense. Okay, like why are they here? Otherwise, why would I even write them in the story in the first place? So okay. I I figure out what their purpose is, and yeah. I relate it to real life. Like, what would be the, if, if I met this person? What would their purpose be in a real life situation? Okay, you know, and you know, in the family Jones, you know, they get sucked into a world of dinosaurs. Of course, they wouldn't leave. So, but at the time, they want to be helpful too because mm-hmm. they would figure like, "Hey, you know, we help each other out. Maybe you can help us. Mm-hmm. You know, find a way to get back to our homes." For sure. And then during that time period, they discover what it means to be friendly and things like that as well too. So, okay, it's a bit about the purpose of the character, like what sure. their what their mentality would be in a real life situation. Definitely. So you know, now that we've been talked about the craft a little bit, you know, we kind of—I guess—we've been talking about it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about being not only being an author, but being an author who is also a black father. Okay. So you know, first of all, what does your daughter think about your books? Oh, I'm a superhero. Okay. She loves it. <laughs> That's great. Getting these points, man. That's great. She loves it. No, my daughter has upgraded from being from being my kid to being my marketing manager. Okay. Because she's always giving me ideas about where, who I should read my book to next. Yeah. Where I should go. That's dope. What country I should visit. Like, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. I'm so happy. So That's dope. You always need that supporter, man. Yeah. And that's, that's great to have. From the babies. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Long kid. Hell yeah. So, you know, obviously with uh, the eggs of Rex, that's a... Uh, has a strong, powerful uh, father role in there. Yeah. So how has how has being a father impacted your writing, whether it be style or content, you know, or what have you? How has being a father impacted your writing style? Well, well, the definition of father is to be provider and protector. Mm-hmm. That's my definition of it. So how that incorporates into my writing style? How can I provide information to protect? the mindset of the kids that read it. Okay. Um, and also, as a dad, I just, I write stories that I would want my daughter to read. Yeah. That's pretty much, that's how I look at it, you know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <For> <laughs> like, sure. what stories I want my kid to read? And that's the kind of stories I write, you know? Yeah. Like, what, what stories can challenge her thought process on things, you know? Okay. Well, you know, in today's society, if you even, you know, like when the, uh, they had a new Star Wars come out and the lead character was black. There was backlash, there right. was outrage. You know, do you ever as a as an author, do you ever consciously 
see yourself trying to make things not too pro-black? That's a good question. You be giving me some dime questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think about it. I just write what I feel, you know? Okay. And it's pretty much pro-black is what somebody else would say about your work, mm-hmm. you know? If it's what you live, it is what it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you call myself pro-black, I'm cool with that. I won't argue with yeah. it. Because what is pro-black? Pro-black pretty much means I want my people to be treated equally. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that what that is? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the case, and okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pro-black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. You know? So, you know, um, you haven't received any, you know, you go to these book signings, and, and you put your work on uh, social media. Mm-hmm. You haven't received any kind of backlash or anything, have you, from not yet. the narratives of your book? Not, not yet. That means I got more work to do. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. I for haven't sure. received. It's been all positive. Yeah, messages meaning that I got more stuff to do. You know, okay, because I, I kind of take it. It's weird, but as soon as I get the first negative thing about my books, I'm like, okay, I'm on the right way. Yeah, 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 you for know? sure. Yeah, because I think um, what Cat Williams said that your goal should have more haters. Oh you know yeah. What I'm oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, I got some. That's, so with my books, it's weird. I just need more work to do because of the content mm-hmm. of my stories. I know there's people out there not gonna like what my stories are about. Mm-hmm. I just gotta keep working harder. To put my face in front of those people so they can have some negative say. So let's talk about being a father. Your father was in your life? Yeah. So, you know, I see, you know, a lot of our peers, you know, we're lucky to have our fathers in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a two parent household. And so now that has kind of groomed me into the man I am today right. to taking care of my daughter and stuff like that. So let's talk about fatherhood. How important was it for you to have that male role model and, you know, how it's shown today in your behavior? Right. Like I said, I grew up in a two-parent household, okay. too. So that was normal. You know what I mean? Having yeah. the dad there and the mom there. So when I found out I was going to be a father, even though I was scared, yeah, yeah, it, sure. wasn't a, it wasn't a question that I was not going to be there. Like, it was a guarantee that I was going to be there, you know, because I felt like that was the standard that was set by my dad. Oh, yeah. And uh, my dad made it a point to keep me away from as much problems as possible because he wanted to protect me because, you know, my dad grew up around that stuff and he wanted me to fall victim to it, mm-hmm. which a lot of kids who did not have their fathers in their lives did. And he knew that. And that's why he told me personally that he made it a mission to be there regardless of whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And I take that same mindset with my daughter. Like, I'm going to be there regardless of whatever happens. Like, oh, yeah. Like, even though I'm no longer with the mom, me and her mom are friends. Mm-hmm. Even if me and her mom were not friends, wherever she goes, I'm going. For sure. If her mom moved to Texas, I'm moving to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the mom moved to Canada, I'm moving to Canada. You because gotta be there. I got to be there for my kid, and yeah. I'll fight tooth and nail for that. For sure. For, I'm lucky that her mom and I are friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a blessing in itself. You oh, know? yeah. But I made it the point that wherever my daughter is, her dad's going to be there. For sure. So, that's yeah. so important, you know, yeah. especially, I mean, it's it's important to have a male role model, whether you have a son or a daughter, but right. especially when you have a daughter, yeah. because, you know, that's kind of their male interaction, and they see the standard. The standard bearer. That, you yeah. know, that, that they need to, you know, have dealing with men. Right. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, that's very important, man. I, especially, you know, when your daughters get older and she starts to date, oh, yeah. you will want your daughter to meet and marry a man who she wants to be like her father. Yeah. Or, cause if you get a, uh, if you, if your daughter dates a guy 
who she does want to be like her dad is a, that's a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? mean unless her dad was a POS. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I, don't, I never want to be I don't never want to be my father. Don't you be like my father. But I just feel yeah, like yeah. as a father, you as a man has to set the tone of what a man is. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know, like hard work and provide for his family and provides a great positive environment. Of course, she wants to keep that going. Mm-hmm. And that also sets up, uh, sets in her mindset how men should be. For sure. Yeah, so. So we talked talked about your daughter um you know what she thinks of your book what does the rest of your family think about your writing i think they're still not getting that i'm a kids book author <laughs> <laughs> i mean and I, I say it in the best way possible because they look at me as little jeff like, oh, that's yeah, my family yeah, yeah. is little jeff right i'm bigger than everybody in my family though yeah um so they're still like still kind of taking aback about how deep i've gone with this mm-hmm. and what hit home with that was I had a book signing at the Barnes and Noble, the same Barnes and Noble in Tequila. I had a book signing there. Yeah. And my family showed up and they were looking like, oh, he's really serious about this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And now, and it goes to my earlier point about working hard to gain that respect of what you do now. Oh, yeah. And because I've been doing this now for four years now, like, mm-hmm. very, very under the radar. So my family's been very, very supportive. But I think they're starting to realize that Jeff's a children's book yeah. author. Jeff is not. The ex football college player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think funny. I think that's with anything, you know. When mm-hmm. you when you present people say, "Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to do this." Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily support you or even believe you until they until they see it start coming into fruition. Yeah, not only see it, but they see the work yeah. put in. You yeah. Know? So that way you can see the lifestyle change. Really, your lifestyle dictates what choices you make. Mm-hmm. I can say I'm a kids book author, but then I have no books out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I write, I write. Well, I, haven't, I haven't finished my novel yet. I haven't, man. My novel, it's still in my head, man. Like I'm still trying to formulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the world is so. Like, man, where's the book? Bro? Yeah, exactly, so exactly. That, that, it's, it's fine though. Yeah, but you know, you have you you've had this is success right here. Yeah. You had a book come out, then you followed it up, mm. and you know you're going to continue doing that. So now that's a great segue into business, <laughs> the okay. business side of it. Man. So you know. Um, we were talking about your process and, and okay, so you're you have an idea. How do you get from idea to publication and, and having your book on the shelf? Like what's that man? So I self publish, which okay. is a different thing. And to put it put it simply, when you self publish, pretty much you're in control of the creative direction of where your book wants to go. Okay. If you go through a publisher, they're in control of where your book mm. is gonna go. How it's, many how many black publishing companies are there that are reputable that you know about? Only know about one, mm-hmm. and it's an I can't remember the name of them, but they're based out of Atlanta. Okay, but there are no black well known publishing houses. Does that have anything to do with why you chose to self publish? Yeah, it does. Um, and also, I when I did my research. I had this fear because if you submit your manuscript to a publishing house and they like your story, they can actually keep your book on the shelf for two to three years because they have a uh, they have a schedule already of which books is going to be published and what they're going to do with these books. Mm. And I wanted my stuff out now. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to wait. And then I started researching. I started researching the music industry mm. and how a lot of more artists are being independent now, and like how they're, especially for example, Chance the Rapper. Oh yeah, like his story is remarkable. Like he's completely independent. And he won himself a Grammy. Yep, doing it his way. Yep, and I feel like I do it my way too. Like I, you know, I remember the stories of hearing for like what Master P did, selling CDs from his trunk of his exactly. car 
or Gucci doing this, Gucci man doing the same thing, selling trucks from his car, completely independent. And I'm kind of feeling like, how come I can't do that with books, especially in, in today's platform yeah. where there's so many self-publishing options to do so. Mm-hmm. And you also, like I said, ask your question about the lack of black publisher houses in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Because I feel like they wouldn't understand you know, under, under yeah, what, I, what yeah. I wanted to do, yeah. and also that fear of what the the horror stories about media if it appears too mm-hmm. pro black, they try to lighten it up yeah, a little like, bit. Yeah, uh, just why doesn't that dad go to jail in this story? Right, yeah. Where's the white savior in the story? Where's the white friend at? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? You yeah, know? yeah. So I didn't, and also I didn't like. I'm, you know, you being an artist too, mm. you're very. Sensitive about your shit, yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, quote Eric Badu, right? Yep. <laughs> but and I didn't want nobody to mess with it. So when I found out that the whole self-publishing game, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, let me do it that way. So, so I mean, so you say you self-publish, but talk about that process. So, you, okay, you start writing, then do you send it off to someone for them to type it up, or how did, how does the whole process work? Okay, so uh, with the first book, because both my books went through two different publishing mm-hmm. phases. So with the family Jones X Rex, I went through the company Outskirts Press. Okay. And how I found them, I found them online because I wanted to self-publish. I was like self-publishing houses, and they were the highly, highly recommended. Um, went through them, talked to a uh, uh, talked to a representative of theirs. Uh, they told me what they needed, like mm-hmm. the, the 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 breakdowns, since the illustrations. There's different pricing for the length of the book, and also how many pictures are going to be in the book. Mm-hmm. So it's different pricing. And they had different services, publishing services, mm. based on what kind of book you're going to write, which okay. cost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, after you get the publishing services, there's also marketing services that come separate, mm. which is, uh, I found out it's called vanity publishing, which it means that they say they're self-publishing, but they're not really a self-publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like for example, like one of the marketing options was if you wanted to get it on Kindle or Amazon, okay. you had to pay one hundred and fifty dollars mm. for that. Or if you wanted to uh, talk to a marketing consultant, it's one hundred and ninety nine dollars for thirty minutes Jeez. for marketing consultant. <laughs> and also, you like I don't know who this person. Not is. for them to do it, for them to consult, for them to tell you how <laughs> yeah, you should yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even though they went to school for the joint, yeah, they'll tell you how to do it okay. for thirty minutes. And plus, okay. you don't even know who this person is. Okay. So that was my experience with that. And also with self-publishing, too, one, one aspect of it, which bothered me at first, but then I learned to love, was the fact that it's all on me. Because mm-hmm. when I published it, when I got done, I created a book, edited it, got everything in the book was done, released it, published it on Amazon, sat back, and nothing happened. Yeah. And I, I thought, because I thought that they were going to work it. Market it, yeah, yeah. No. I was like, oh, now I got to do some yeah. shit. <laughs> you got to put in the leg I got to put the work. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? Okay, who's my demographic? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is demographic? And I was like, oh, okay, the demographic is who, what, when, where, why. You know what okay. I'm saying? And uh, Hold on, hold on, so pause. Before you lead into it, I'll just ask you the question because he's going there, yeah. but I want to ask the question. So what are some marketing strategies for an author? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so... Marketing strategy, definitely the first thing you need to do is who are you writing to? Mm-hmm. Like, which group are you writing to? Like, what community, what age, okay. what race, what culture? Because it will help you be able to promote your book in that environment a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, me personally, everybody can get my book. 
you know, so I kind of look at it like through that aspect of yeah. I market it to everybody because it's a family story, regardless of which color the co- the, the characters are. Mm-hmm. It's a family story. Yeah. And the one thing about this book that people don't know about this book is the fact that the dad is in the military. Mm-hmm. It's a military dad. Because mm-hmm. the story about why is Jane so mad is about two friends playing playing in the park. The girl's name is Jane. She's mad. Her, and her friend Chaz and trigger her, her up. Mm-hmm. Carl will sing songs. Everything he think, everything he does does not work. And the reason why she's upset is because her dad's away in the military and exactly. hasn't come back home yet. So think about that. You got two friends. Friendship. That's one thing that kids like. That's the thing. Military. Military families. People who have who go through that you can look at it as a part of like a marketing strategy mm-hmm. you know what i mean so what i do is i i, I market it to people who can relate to the story mm-hmm. and since i believe it's educational people who believe in education teachers oh, yeah. parents things like that so my my approach is this i believe that everybody needs to know about my book mm-hmm. so i'll do everything i can to make people know about my book okay just like with the whole master p thing he drove around Different parts of the cities around around the country in the hoods, where it was East Coast, West Coast, down South. Everybody know about his music, even though he's mm-hmm. a brother from New Orleans. Yeah, he's going to California. Oh yeah, hustling, hustling. You hustling. know what I'm saying? That's how I look. That's how I market myself as that. So in the music industry, and you know, there's there's so many artists and there's so much competition. Everybody's competing for the spotlight or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, so how is it with authors? Do you guys like beef or throw, <laughs> or throw like subliminals in the book about other authors? The <laughs> like, like what, what's the competition? What's the competitive atmosphere like for authors? Well, me, I can say myself personally, I don't have competition mm-hmm. because I'm only competing with myself. Okay. And my thing with other authors, I want to help authors because I feel like we need to build a community of people who love literature yeah we don't need to be against each other like i won't do a sneak diss in my next book about who's he talking about (laughs) and that leads into what i uh, what i i wanted to do i created an event called the seattle urban book expo Mm -hmm. because i discovered that there's never been a black book expo in seattle yeah so along with black dot i created an event where we we gave a platform to authors around the city to showcase books in front of the community Mm. because people didn't know that we had writers up here mm. or, not, or not to the point of how many and it was a mass success and that's why I believe in even though I say I don't have competition I still will help every single author I can for sure because even if you're a kids book author so what I mean quality of work is based on the perspective of somebody who's reading your book mm-hmm. like even though you're a kids book author they can still look at your book as one way and look at my book as another one for sure you know what I'm saying that's not what it's about like I'm not I'm not in competition with anybody because I feel like I don't have competition mm-hmm. it's all about what I do you know and nobody can do what I do I mean everybody makes chicken but there's people whose chicken tastes better than others everybody ain't the quick pack yeah <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know, shout out to quick pack right right you know what I'm saying like you know like you got a girlfriend who makes chicken but she can't mm-hmm. touch grandma's chicken yeah yeah you know what I'm sure, saying like sure. That's why that's how I look at it. Everybody, we yeah. all nobody's reinventing the wheel on nothing, mm. but it's all about what the work you put in to craft your special wheel. Okay, uh, you know. So. so you know, as, as times change and you know technology changes and things like that, people are reading, not not even just reading, but like uh, I, I was talking about this with Young Germs, you know, about physical copies of CDs and things like yeah. that. So, certain things are becoming obsolete. And yeah. so not a lot of people read physical books anymore. So as an author, how how do you stay 
with the times or whether it be creating audio, uh, you know, audio books or, or whatever? How do you stay with the times of, of the changing climate of information? Right. People still read physical books. Okay. People still read books. It's just the fact that bookstores mm-hmm. are going away because of the rise of Amazon. Okay. You know, um, but how I stay with the times is just the content of the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, people say people don't go to movies no more. People go to go Netflix, but yet the Avengers made a billion dollars in the box office. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So it's all mm-hmm. about what people want to see. Like, like I said before, like the movie, what movie just came out? Get Out, right? Oh, man, I wouldn't have seen it in theaters. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> that movie was I great. I had to. That's a great movie, right? Yeah. Off of a $5 million budget, off of an industry that's in percentage-wise in decline, mm-hmm. but yet that movie just passed over $100 million. Oh, yeah. So it's not about if people are going to see it. People have seen everything already. Mm-hmm. People have read every single type of book. Yeah. But what can you do to create something different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you going to follow the pathway somewhere with someone else? Or are you going to use your own voice and create your own identity? Like, mm-hmm. like you said, the movie Get Out is unique as hell as a horror story. We haven't seen a movie like that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that made people, that perk people's interest. Like, oh, let me go see it. And I think what, what's significant about that movie is that it relates to the times. Exactly. And, and what's going on, you know? Right. And people will talk about it because yeah. it, 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 it garners conversation. And yeah. with my books in particular, I will want enough originality to make people want to buy my books and that's why I hope my work is original enough to some people's eyes to mm-hmm. consistently want to read my stories the more that come out Yeah. so it's all about the work I put in and not getting lazy in yeah. content you know? that's just like music you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I mean you you rap you know and let's clarify I spit he's, bars he's bars you know bars <laughs> he's I don't bars. rap yeah. you niggas rap y'all <laughs> rap you I spit I'm bars <laughs> saying you spit bars right and the response you get for your music is well received because what mm-hmm. you say is original mm-hmm. you don't follow yep. bust not the bando even though you're yeah, from yeah. washington Seattle. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> you know what i'm saying or you know you you're yourself and i think yeah. it's about originality and that's the thing that people are missing now like oh, you yeah. need to be original with what you say mm-hmm. and that's why with certain music artists or certain writers that we love we find our work original. Mm-hmm. And that's all it's about is be original with what you do and be your damn self. And that's what I want to be is original mm-hmm. and be myself. And that's For why, sure. going back to your earlier question about competition, if I'm worried about somebody else, I'm like you automatically start mimicking them because mm-hmm. I'm worried about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone, like, okay, what's he doing? How's what's he, he writing the stories? Okay, yeah. he's so bored than me. Okay, how yeah, do you yeah. do that? Okay. He wrote it this way. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, write that I'm way. Gonna too. Write that way. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. and I, I don't want a void for that. I don't okay. want to do that. So So, you know, from the moment you, you found out you were passionate about writing to this point now, you know, as an author, you have two books under your belt, you're working on more, you're doing signings and all of that. You know, how would you say, how much have you grown since that original idea came into your mind about writing? Man, I've grown so much. I'm so lucky. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm hella lucky, especially um, this past year alone. Especially when the when the Wise Jane So Mad book came out, I've done so much with this book because of the work I put in and people's growing belief in me. You know, um, for example, if I didn't take my craft seriously, I don't believe that I would have been invited to read at the town hall for the literacy concert. You know, if 
you know, I didn't put the work in and believe in myself so much mm-hmm. and appreciate my growth, I wouldn't have had a book signing at Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. as a, you know, self-published writer, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's a big deal to me, the fact that I don't have a publishing house. Yeah. And I was able to score a signing at a major book retail yeah. company. That's dope. You know, and that's, that goes with growth because mm-hmm. it, it, it highlights everything I put into this. Mm-hmm. Like, not only in how to become a better writer, but also how to become a better business person, how to become a better person mm-hmm. in general, and also recognizing that it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about the people who read my books and believe in what I'm saying in yeah. these books, you know, and to take that seriously. And the process of growth has been like night and day, man. Mm-hmm. Like, the more, the more I've gotten into this whole journey, the more comfortable I got into my whole skin. Where it's to the point where I motherfucker can't tell me shit yeah, about yeah. my stories. You oh know? yeah, you know, not to sound whatever. I don't care what it sounds like, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's no, like, that's real. You yeah. that's that's man. That's yeah. the the mark of a great artist, a person yeah. who's ultimately confident in their work, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and they're only competitors themselves. Because yeah. when you when you're watching other people, what they're doing, like you said. You start sounding or, or start, you know, sacrificing the quality of your work based on somebody else's right, stuff. Right, because you try to keep up with them. Yeah. Like, examples like everybody's getting on Kevin Hart's head. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't like Kevin Hart. Why? Because Kevin Hart's being really, really successful right now. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, look at all the comedians that are coming out right now. They're acting like Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're talking like, let me tell you this right now. Let me tell you right now. Everybody acting like Kevin Hart. You know what I'm saying? But all the greats that we, Admire, yeah, all are original people mm-hmm. like Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle just had his thing come out, right? Dave Chappelle's oh, one original person. Have you watched it? Have you watched it? It's funny, <sighs> funny, genius man. He's genius, bro. Genius. Yeah, I, I think you know, he's his his style of comedy is so you know, on it's it's, it's multiple levels, yeah. So, a lot of people that are offended. You're only on the surface level, yeah, you're not really even understanding what's going on, yeah. So Hold your fence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he it's it's so genius when you have to it's like an onion, you have so many different levels before you get to the underlying premise. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the the signs of a great artist in general. Yes. Like strip away who Dave Chappelle. His comedy represents what an artist is. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's so many levels to it, every time you go back to what he said, there's something new you can learn. Oh yeah. And that's the sign of a true artist. Just like a like a, a MC, mm-hmm. you rewind and hear like, oh, that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Like even like two, three years down the road, oh, yeah. you hear that song and you hear something new. Like, oh, I didn't even know he said that. Yeah, exactly, you know? jewels. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that's that's the sign of a good artist, and that's the sign of a good writer too. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have books like the uh, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter that yep. people. 10, 20, 30 years down the road still read because what there's you something. Think about, what you think about Harry Potter? I love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Yeah, I Potter. love Harry Potter. Oh, man. Love that Harry was, Potter. That was one of the original books that I was like, yeah, you ain't got to tell me to read this teacher. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading this. Grown-ass <laughs> men were reading Harry like, Potter. Like, like, bro. Cats from I the am, Hood was reading I'm Harry intrigued Potter. intrigued <laughs> for sure. That was like one of the first books that I really was love like, that man, story. I'm And also, let's think book. about J.K. Rowling's story. Right, she mm-hmm. was a single mom that mm-hmm. was on welfare that wrote a story about a wizard on a napkin in the cafe. Oh yeah. Now would she have done that? If she was worried about competition. J.K. Rowling, man, come on, starving, yeah. <laughs> starving, <laughs> starving artist creations, man. Think about that story, and then like the reason why I brought that up is the fact that I have all these stories about people who I admire who have been in worse circumstances that I have. Mm-hmm. I can't complain mm-hmm. at all. 
I couldn't imagine living in my car with my kid and I have nothing. Yeah. And I'm broke. And I start writing a story about a wizard on a napkin in a cafe. Yeah. I would have thought about like, because you think about you writing a story on a napkin. You're like, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. Yeah. that That's <laughs> your, your mind. You're like. <laughs> Why the hell am I doing this right now? Right. I didn't even go out and get a job. I didn't get a I didn't, job. I didn't work. Like, yeah, yeah. That, but, that diner is hiring right now. Yeah. I didn't work in that. And she was like, no, I'm writing a story about a wizard. Yeah. I think that's that's something great about, you know, um, you know, great artists is that we have that that confidence in our ideas. A lot of people, they may have an idea, but then be like, ah, that'll never work. Right. But, you know, it says something about the individual to, to say, okay, I have this idea. I'm going to try and put this in you know make this grow into fruition right. and, and follow it up and put the legwork in you know what i'm saying right and also a lot of those doubts comes from people who don't even know what the hell they're talking about yeah, yeah. you think about it right like a lot of yeah. doubts of who what you should do comes from people who are not even who are not even living like that yeah and, and i had a you got to tune those voices out mm-hmm. and i realized that too because i honestly i didn't tell anybody i wanted to be a kids book author because from my surroundings, ain't nobody doing that. Yeah, so yeah. what would they know about that? They, you're writing kids books, bro? Yeah, like, man, like, stop it, bro. <laughs> like, Amazon's hiring, dog. Let's go ahead and work at Amazon. But it's, it's, it's such a great market because, like we said, kids are so impressionable. And, you know, that's when they learn things like, not you know, it's it's developed as they get older but that's when they first have their first introductions to other races and other yeah. religions or whatever you know the kid might come home and say mommy what one of my classmates has on a hijab they don't know and so it's up to the parent to say this is what a hijab is this is what that person believes in not that damn muslim right. about. That's, that's the, the thing that's the crime though is the fact that you got ignorant parents exactly who are teaching hate that's the difference. Yes. Like you said, if you say yeah, the other parents, oh no, this is what it means. It's a cultural mm-hmm. garment related mm-hmm. to this religion. Exactly. And like, oh, and it's an open minded kind of thing. Yeah. If you got a parent that's like, oh fuck that, they're yeah, that's yeah, yeah. terrorism or yeah. they always robbing, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially you're talking about well, my kid in class, my you know, my black friend Kevin, you know, had a hoodie on. Mm-hmm. Oh, stay away from him. He might try to rob you, you know. <laughs> stay away from him. Stay away from Kevin, he might try yeah. to rob you. So, you know, as we conclude, you know, this has been a great, it's been a dope combo. Man. It's been very, it's been very insightful for me. I appreciate it, man. You know, um, some good ass questions. But, I'm like, oh, but, man, I gotta think. <laughs> you know, at, 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 like I said, you, you've uh, you've had two books under your belt so far. Right. But at what point, you know, as an author, would you say, you know, I'm successful or this has been a success? Like, what's the threshold for you? Whoa, you know, what's so funny. I never thought about that. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm enjoying the journey so much that I'm not thinking about the finish line. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm loving the race. Um, what would be success? Um, <laughs> you I know, think, your favorite author shouting out or acknowledging your skills or, I, I think, or selling a certain amount of books? Or. I think success will be for me is when an adult who read my stories decided to write one themselves because of my book. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm able to influence a kid who I read to in a class or at an mm-hmm. event, and then 10, 15 years later, they said that the reason why I wanted to write stories was because of Jeffrey Lee Cheatham II. Yeah. That would be hard. success for me. That's hard. Because that means that what I did impacted somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, I kind of go back to what Tupac said I will spark the brain that will change the world. Change the world, yeah. Exactly. And I feel like that's what I can do with my books. For yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Last question, man. What's, What's next? You got you got these books, man. You know, the first of all, my guy brought two books over here. I'm buying them both. I'm giving one to Damon Hardy. First of all, <laughs> what a small world this is, bro. Like, 
How? Um, you know, so one of them was going to Damon Hardy because I'm definitely sure he can relate, you know, coming back home and, and seeing an expression on his family's face and stuff. You know, this this book embodies exactly, you know, what people are going through. And, um, you know, so so what's next for Jeff Cheetah, man? You said you got some more stuff on your sleeve man. or what? So in April, I'm doing a reading. Uh, hopefully this, I don't know if this comes out, but I'm doing a reading at the Kona Kai Cafe, April 2nd, 2.30. I'm inviting the, whoever wants to come, come through. I'm going to read mm -hmm. my story to them. We're going to do some interactive things with the kids and the parents. Um, I'm also going to have a book signing again at the Barnes & Noble in Kennewick, Washington. Mm. Yeah, that's a drive. You're going on a road trip. Yeah, I'm man. out here. Like, you know, I'm out here. I'm <laughs> doing that. That's in May. Yeah. Uh, June. Something's coming up. I won't say what it is yet, but okay. it's coming. Be I will waiting on be it. waiting on it. It's you gonna know. be. I almost, gave, I almost gave it away, but <laughs> June something else is coming. This yeah, is gonna yeah. be great. But and also in August, um, I will be going back to Toronto. Okay. For the Toronto Urban Book Expo, and shout out to my people in Toronto, Canada. Stacy, love you. You've been such a help. So yeah, that's what I got going on for the summer, bro. Yeah. Man, that's lovely, man. Well, you know, tell the people, for any of the parents out there that are looking to find your book and, or, you know, whatnot, or support the cause or whatever, you know, where are they able to find you? What's your social media links and all of so that stuff? So my social media links, uh, my Instagram is J underscore <laughs> L. <laughs> I'm doing this because I want to I put the link right here. <laughs> so my Instagram, <laughs> Instagram is J J A Y underscore L E L. Cheatham, Cheatin' Ham put it together, then the number two. Mm -hmm. And it's me right now with a big ass Dr. Seuss hat on. So <laughs> see that. My Facebook, uh, my Facebook page is the kids book author Jeffrey Cheatham the second. Okay. So just do that on the search bar. Uh, I would make all the announcements for all my events, all my book uh, links and things like that on there. I'm working on my landing page and my website right now. Okay. And I'm creating something that I hope creates a bigger impact right now. I won't give it away, mm -hmm. but I'm creating something else that I hope makes a bigger impact, which I will announce on my Facebook page. So, All right, man. Yeah. Well, I'm on your Facebook, so I'm waiting for the announcement. Yeah. Like I said, man, I love your books. Your ki my kid, you know, she loves the books. And, and it, was, it was a great opportunity to be able to not only support my friend, but also, you know, give my daughter some information from a different narrative, you yeah. know. So, you know, I appreciate you for coming through, man. It's Thanks, been a pleasure. Man, it's been lovely. This is so professional. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so no, my hey man, my wife was getting on me. She said, Are you gonna curse as much as you did in this episode as in all your episodes? I was like, I had to think about it. I listened to the last episode. I'm like, man, okay, this episode, I'm gonna try to to limit how many to author, use I'm talking prediction. to an author. I'm gonna try to use my big words. Yeah, I'm gonna try to prediction, please, sir. But for please? sure, man. Hey man, thank you. Thank you for coming through, man. Everybody get out there, support your author, man. The man is about his business right. and you know, support the movement. He's really grinding out here, man. Appreciate it. So you it. know, it's all love, it's a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate man. it, man. Yeah. You know, awesome. you dig. Oh man. Starving Artist Creations, Artist Artist, man, we out. Yo, let me hear you say S A C. Yeah, we chop a game, man. Artist, uh, the artist, say S A C. Yeah, if you create it, hey, sit down with me. You say S A C. Yeah, we chop a game, man. Artist, the artist, say S A C. Yeah, uh, if you creative, come sit down with me.